Ladies and gentlemen, before we get into this week's very big episode of Cheap Heat, I want to shout out to the ESPN Daily. Don't forget to check it out wherever you get podcasts. They're, they got you so much information, so much going on in the world. It's all right there. The ESPN Daily, wherever you get ESPN podcasts. Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's number one sports and recreation podcast is Cheap Heat. I am Peter Rosenberg. He is SGG Sport, a.k.a. The Contortionist. Oh, yeah. And SGG, uh, we're doing back-to-back Friday night episodes. And again, glad we did it because we have more information. And so it's useful to, uh, to have another SmackDown episode. So I'm glad we're doing it this way. I am as well. Um, you know, we start the show SmackDown, of course, with uh, Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. But before we get to that, should we should we do outside the ring news? Is there anything? Yeah, I guess I guess we should. Let's take us outside the ring first, and then we'll dive into a lot of Roman and Heyman and Sasha and Bailey, which will probably take up a lot. And then we'll we'll preview uh, all out, of course, as well. Of course, of course, you have to. Um, so before we get into like the big outside the ring news, I know I just want to make a mention of there's a book that came out recently. Uh, friend of the show, Extra Cooler. We all love his art. He's the artist on the book. Um, it's called S is for Suplex. Ooh. It's a children's book for because like like a lot of us, you know, a lot of the cheap listeners have children. Number one. Number two, a lot of us became fans of, of pro wrestling as kids. It's written by Ryan Schrott, and uh, Extra Cooler is the artist on the book. And it's it's basically a children's book about just the ins and outs of pro wrestling. Obviously, you know, it teaches them the alphabet and a little bit of, like, wrestling history and lingo as well. You know, uh, obviously, like I said, S is for suplex, W is for wrestling. Um, they go through the whole alphabet A to Z. Um, what's from, uh, what's what's A? B is babyface. H is heel. You said what's A? Let me. The book isn't out yet. It's coming out next week. Uh, I, I managed to get my hand on an advanced copy. So we're not gonna run through the whole alphabet for you. You gotta. Well, you gotta I, I mean, listen. Dip, it it sounds amazing. Dip obviously can't get it because he's not. He can't teach a child. Uh, <laughs> Baby face and heel. I mean, that's yeah, just no, wrong. It's kayfabe only. Um, a is for announcer. Ah, that's a good one. I should have guessed it. Yeah, we'll give you the ABCs. A is for announcer. B is for baby face. C is for championship. And that's S is for suplex. It'll be out next week. 
I mean, C is for Cheap Heat, the world's number one sports and recreation podcast. <laughs> of course. Also, of course. SUG, I have to get a cheap plug in here. C is also for Cameo. Mm. And uh, this week, I, I, I succumbed to the request from Cameo to join Cameo and basically do shout outs for people. Um, and uh, it's, it's been a, it's, it's fun. It's fun doing these little shout outs for people. So if anyone wants a random shout out uh, from the mage one, um, go on Cameo. I am charging, by the way. That's how it works. This was a subject of major controversy uh, controversy on both of my shows. Did you hear the conversation on, on Ebro in the morning? I didn't yet. Well, I had it's, – it's actually very funny. I had Do they the think same you're co- overcharging or undercharging? Well, no. But both Michael and Ebro had the same BS response of, oh, well, I feel weird taking people's money. I would only do it for charity. Blah 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 blah, and I well, at I least one about, of them is lying. I, I think both of them are lying. <laughs> I no, don't know no, Michael. No. I don't know Michael well enough to say both of them. But that's I, I think at least I one think is lying. that I think that the I think it's a level of pride that they feel like it's a cheap way to get money. Yeah, because so it means like, that you're at a certain level that you won't. Exactly. I believe yeah. it's that it's that they don't want to put a price on what they do, and. The way I look at it is, you know, Ebro and I, like, we went back and forth about it a couple times, and he's talking about, oh, it's hard out here, and blah, blah, I'm like, yo, bro, this is an optional service. This is not, people aren't being required to do this. If I, if I, if I meet a radio DJ or a person who's like, hey, can you do a little message for me? I'm not going to be like, yo, go to my cameo. Like, right. I'm, not, I'm not all of a sudden going to become a bad guy, but if someone randomly is like, yo, I want an on-demand drop for something, um, with with specific lingo, they can send it and get it done. Yeah, and like it doesn't make any sense if you apply that logic to it. Why do we even do a radio show and get paid? We could That's argue true. it's hard out here. People, people, we're, we have such an easy job. I don't want to take money. That's true. Michael K has no problems taking money for the Yankees, even though he loves baseball. Mm-hmm. Ebro loves music, and he's getting two checks from it. So I I thought it was hilarious to hear people like I, I felt slightly jokingly judged, but I was like. So then Ebro did a whole thing around, well, Shawnee, you should do it, but Shawnee, you should do it. We should do it for charity for people. I'm like, is that what Shawnee wants to do? <laughs> Ebro I, I, I said, I said let me be ve- charity. <laughs> yeah, I want to be very clear. I'm doing this for money. No one needs to feel obligated to do it, but if you want something funny and uh, to get done, I'll do a hell of a job for you. That's it. Um, like, no one, why does that have to be the direct way it goes to charity? Why can't it just be you're adding to, to your money? Uh, uh, some of which you give to charity. Yeah. That's all salary. Um, anyways, I just thought it was a funny conversation. But um, holler at me on there. So anyways, shout out to S for Suplex. SGG, what else going on? Well, you gave me the perfect segue. Speaking of Cameo, right before we uh, got on the air to talk about the week that was in professional wrestling, a news report broke that Vince McMahon gave a directive to WWE talent to uh, stop working with third-party platforms such as Twitch, uh, such as Cameo. Um, It hasn't been reported yet as to why, but he wants everyone off. And my speculation is that WWE is probably going to have like a Cameo type of service that does these virtual meet-and-greets, virtual shout-out things that they want to have talent do. Um, 
but I really don't know why he's he's pulling them from third party platforms. But if if you're a WWE superstar, you apparently the word has come down from on high to to get off of those platforms or at least stop using um, your your performer name on those. Hey platforms. Bear, come here, bud. Have I mentioned, by the way? how good my gig is with WWE. It's really a solid situation. Another reason I'm lucky to not be a full-time announcer and just be doing what I'm doing. I mean, it really is. Like, you come in for the best shows, you, you get paid, you leave. You're basically, pr- you're basically Brock. I'm Brock Jace. Come here, man. Yeah. Come here. Yeah, I'm Brock Jace. I pop in, pop out, and we'll get to some Brock talk today as well because he he's in the news outside the ring too. No, yeah, it's funny you mentioned it. So apparently, Brock Lesnar is now a free agent. It's been reported that his contract has expired, and he is no longer with the WWE. Of course, that led to some speculation from the fans. A lot of you know, a lot of guessing what this means. Will he go to AEW? Will he, what will he do? I don't think there's as much of an issue as people are making it out to be. I think, honestly, we all know Brock's strength is selling tickets and filling seats. They aren't selling tickets. They aren't filling seats. So Brock is right where he needs to be. Um, well, that's, that's, like, that's the, the thing I, I posed on Twitter which is what is Brock's actual value at this exact moment in time? You know, like, as opposed to other times where the WWE is willing to shell out buku bucks for Brock, is it worth it at this moment to do that? Like, is he worth what he's normally worth when, to your point, he's not able to sell tickets and... You know, I I just don't know that it makes a lot of sense. I I don't feel that he has the the same bargaining power that he has. Now, the fact that there is a competitor out there certainly helps. Um, This is one of the things that people love about just having competition in the game is that it gives talent an opportunity to... You know, have some bargaining power. Yeah. Um, but, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no I, you. I cut you off. I, I apologize. No, that's it. I mean, they, the fact is, because of that, it gives Brock a little bit of power. Because while I don't know how valuable I think Brock is to WWE at this moment, he's he's definitely valuable in regards to uh, keeping him from AEW. Because I think everyone would agree that the biggest impact that he could make for someone right now would be either going to AEW or a huge fight with John Jones and UFC. Yeah. Him and re-signing I- with WWE would not be while it might be good, it's not going to it's not going to move the needle right now because everyone's still used to him in WWE. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I don't think that AEW or UFC are you know, viable options for Brock right now because let's let's be honest. In WWE, he puts his body on the line still, yes, but his body is on the line in a completely different way if he goes to UFC. And I don't think he's looking at it like that anymore. He has nothing to prove. He likes being able to come in, 
do what he has to do, and then go back to his family, which is also why I don't think he uh, goes to AEW, because I don't think he'll take the risk of um, leaving Canada. Because let's remember, he lives in Canada with his family. I don't think he... I thought he lives in like I thought he lives in like I believe he lives in Saskatchewan. Are you sure? Yes, that's what that's the last I heard. This Brock lives in Saskatchewan, like isolated, and is just like off the off the radar. Oh wow! I thought for some reason I thought he was in North Dakota or or something like that. Yeah, I know he grew up in North Dakota, um, but. Let's just assume that I'm right about him being in Canada. He's not going to take the risk of like getting stuck in America away from his family for wrestling, <laughs> which is another reason why like you don't you don't resign him or you don't put pen to paper because there's no urgency. He's not coming down, and you're not going to get what you get out of having Brock um, on your roster. Now the question is, would that change if? You know, the cons opened, they backed up the truck and really offered him a ton of money. Possibly, but I mean, if I'm AEW, I don't touch Brock, honestly, because your current world champion has gone on record as saying that he just did not have a positive experience with Brock, that Brock is lazy, that Brock wasn't open to his ideas. So who knows what that relationship is going to be like. And then... What will Brock do with the rest of your roster? Who's he gonna who's he gonna work with? Who's he gonna give to? Like would you have him come in and just nerf your whole roster just to say that you had Brock Lesnar just to have his name as like a, a former AEW champion? It's not worth it when you're trying to build at this stage to have him come in and just destroy. Cause then who comes up from the from the wreckage after that? Yeah, and, and besides Moxley, who really do you who excites you? You know, if I was to think about who really would excite me to see with Brock in AEW, I don't know who that person is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. Like, it's just like not, you know, and, and, and that could get into a bigger problem about where some of the top talent is right now. You know, yeah, because it would be Kenny Omega if. <laughs> exactly. And I was going to get to Kenny. He He's the one who, from a dream match standpoint, seeing the the most new japan indie star of the last 15 years up against the most wwe guy practically besides john cena of the last 15 years that would be sort of your your dream match but that's not where kenny omega is right now at all nope so you know i don't know i don't know what you do to make that super interesting so We'll see. I think it's probably much ado about nothing also, and it's just more of the sort of, you know, back and forth that they have. That That's what I would see it as also. What what else going on, SGJ? And the last thing that I have for Outside of the Ring, um, WWE released the Authors of Pain, Akam and Rezar, no longer with the company. And this one, this one sort of hurt a little bit because I really like the AOP. Yeah, they had a moment. They certainly, it certainly seemed like what something was going to happen. Was there an injury? Like, what led to the sort of slow disappearance of AOP? Yeah, there were a couple of injuries. I feel like um, Razor got injured twice, and so that's what um, you know. They came up. They 
didn't really have um, they didn't really see any value in them as single stars. So he got injured. They got pulled from TV. Then they did those promos where like you know in the suits and talking about violence. And then they come back. They're aligned with Seth. Then another injury, and then they're off TV again. So they just got injured at at a bad time. But I mean, you know, from watching them in NXT, you can tell that like if they're healthy and they're ready to go, like they can go. But you know, on the main roster, just injuries plagued them a little bit. It's a bummer. They definitely had a they had a moment where it really felt like it could happen. And you know, someone someone I tweeted me and said they never got a chance. I wouldn't go that far. They definitely had a, a chance. Is it a fair way to end things? That's a different conversation. Um, but this game ain't fair. Um, and unfortunately, injuries can really be the beginning of the end for people with a company. Um, but yeah, the Paul Ellering thing was fun. Um, that is that is disappointing. And yeah, they definitely got a chance too. I mean, let's let's not go there. I know that's the the sexy thing to do every time somebody's released from their contract or whatever is just how WWE misused them. But you know, with FTR, it was the same thing. They they came out hot. They hit the main roster. They like they beat the New Day, who was as as high as you can get in the tag team division in WWE. And then injury. You know, they come back. They tried to shuffle him in. They got some tag title reigns. Another injury. And then suddenly, you know, they're unhappy and they want to go. Which, you know, not saying that they had to be happy with what they're getting. But, you know, the injuries did play a part in it. And now they're in AEW. And hopefully they can stay healthy. Otherwise, I think it'll be a situation again where, you know, one of them, if one of them gets injured, they're both off of TV. Yeah, that, that's... Uh... That stinks. Best of luck. I'm sure they will pop up somewhere. Yeah. So, SGG, is that all for Outside the Ring? That's all. That is it. So, I guess first and foremost, uh, what did you think of Payback? And let's start with the championship match. I thought that the execution... First of all, I thought it was great that Roman Reigns did just a just a little thing that... These wrestlers never do. As every contract signing, you see them come out. They just want to get their hands on their opponent so bad, they just sign the contract. They don't read it over. They don't do any of that. So I thought it was good that Roman, on Friday, said, I need to look it over. Not only did he look it over, I have these changes. You make these changes, I'll sign it. And then, on Sunday, because... These contracts are not getting signed on your time. It's getting signed on his time. On Sunday, Thunderdome Rome signed the contract after the match already started. I thought it was perfect. Made it official. Came in and did what his shirt said. Wrecked everyone. Left with the Universal Championship. So I I didn't see what the reaction was um, on social media. I thought that was awesomely done i really did i really really enjoyed the walking in with the contract in hand with paul Heyman showing up and winning which is by the way his new t-shirt as well um yeah i I thought that was i thought it was great um 
I thought the I thought in general the main event delivered. Um, I mean, I'm a little over the the ring collapse spot. Um, I mean, it was cool. I always thought that that spot made more sense with like Mark Henry and Big Show, yeah, like super t- heavyweights, like super heavyweights. To me, that's where that spot like really feels impactful. Like Braun's big, Bray's big, but we both we all know they're like 300 pounds, right? Whereas and Bray's you know, not you, that strong either. I mean. He's not like Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar strong, where like the force of him driving somebody into the mat can break the ring. Yeah, it just like it didn't. It's it's been done a lot. Um, though the Charles Robinson bump was amazing. Amazing, yeah, I love that. Um, but yeah, I uh, I I was I was into it. I thought that you know, from where our excitement was Friday night about the turn, um. I thought they delivered on Sunday in that regard. Um, I thought it was a pretty good pay-per-view overall. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, you know, uh, Keith Lee, very strong performance. Not what I expected. You know, I definitely did not expect um, Randy to just get dropped relatively quickly in the middle of the ring. Clean. No um, shenanigans. He just didn't have anything for him. But... It's, you know, but then Monday night, Randy Orton gets an opportunity in the triple threat and scores the pin to get a championship opportunity. And I thought that was beautifully done. So it it ended up kind of being good for everybody. So I really, uh, big moment for Keith Lee. I thought it felt big. I still loved the idea of, of him with Flair. I think it would have been cool. Um, You know, Keith Lee is an incredible talent. And we were talking about this in the group chat. Decent talker. um, Great in the ring. But could he use a little extra pizzazz to give him that push to really add some hype around him? I I think so. Um, I would have dug that. But, you know, that's just me fantasy booking and being someone who's such a fanboy of of rick flair and and the legends that we have left who who can do those things um and listen it's rick flair like who who would who would turn that down even randy orton at his position in in the company you want to put me next to rick absolutely <laughs> let's do it and i could see rick flair putting over how keith lee is this legitimate athlete and you know, Flair loves putting over like wrestlers and, you know, guys who can really go. And I, I could see him really putting over Keith Lee in that regard. Hey, Bear Bear. Poor Bear had a procedure this week. He's got a cone on I his saw head. a cone, yeah. Yeah, he's got a cone. He's got some stitches. So if you hear me calling him periodically, it's to make sure. Like, I don't think he can get to it with the cone on. But it's like a flimsy cone, so it's more comfortable. So sometimes I worry he could get to it. Um, oh, my gosh. He is truly pathetic right now, though. <laughs> he- head down in the cone, just staring what's wrong with the world. Bear, just a few more days, bud. And he doesn't wear <laughs> it constantly. When we go out, I take it off. If I'm watching him <laughs> You let him directly, have his dignity when you go out? Yeah, of course. And when I... And when I... Although, you know, my brother made the best point. You know, the cone is really a sad thing for the dog 
not only because it's limiting in what they can do, but also think about the implication. Everyone who sees you with that cone knows well, they know that, exactly what happened, and they know they know what you're capable of doing. <laughs> Bear just poked up and is looking at me right now. Bear, I'm sorry, but that's what the cone implies, because the stitches are basically in the worst place possible. And yes, we're implying that given the opportunity, you would lick that area. I know, he looks like he's in Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Come here, Handmaid's Bear. Come here, bud. Um, so, yeah, I, I listen, I'm sure we'll talk to Dip about this next week. I'm sure, you know, he could have another take. But I, th- I think he liked it, too. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was overwhelmingly positive reviews on social media. Yeah, I mean, I I think so far so good, and then they continue it tonight, um, with Roman and Heyman coming out together. You know, I have a little right bit at the of top concern. Of the show. Start they start the show with it, and I am still holding on to a little bit of concern that, you know, Heyman referred to himself as the special counsel, but also Heyman never gets called a manager. Nobody does. So I guess maybe I don't need to be concerned. And maybe they just didn't want to use the term the advocate because that's what he's called with Brock. Yeah, and and Heyman never did get called the manager too. I think that's important to point out because let's remember too when um when Brock's first run happened in around 2002, I want to say, Heyman was his agent. He wasn't like a manager. He wasn't even an advocate then. That was his agent. And then... You know, when Brock comes back, then Heyman's his advocate. So now I think just because it's not Brock, he's thinking of something else he could be that's not a manager. And special counsel is, I guess, what he settled on uh, for Roman. I guess I would just like to see a little bit more of engagement between, like, with from Roman back towards Paul. You know, to own the full turn. I would love for him to like not only be with Paul, but be emotive about Paul. Yeah, that's just that's just me. I I don't want any chance that they bail on this quickly. I need this to go through at least WrestleMania. I, I think need. it has to. I think it has to. They can't end this without a crowd. They just can't. Right, like and without like the 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 pomp and circumstance of WrestleMania. Like, I just don't see how they do it. You know? Bear, come on. You want to try to get up? You could do it, bud. And I'll say this, too. I'm glad right now that this is happening when they don't have a crowd. Because, you know, Paul Heyman comes out at the top of SmackDown. He cuts his promo just about, you know, Roman Reigns doing everything right and still being underappreciated and things like that. And I go on social media, and there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, Paul, you tell them. And in my head, I'm like, it's not you tell him, you tell them. He's telling you. A lot of the people who are all in on what Paul Heyman had to say tonight are the people he's talking to. All right? Because a lot of y'all were Go not ahead. riding with Roman 
y'all don't put y'all didn't do years like this like you know what i mean you listen to the intro for this show he says shout out stat guy greg for a reason facts facts because because this roman reigns support on this side runs deep now i'm i'm magnanimous so the bandwagon is still open feel free to hop on but but when you waving that banner i'll notice whose banner is tatted from from all the years of waving the flag you know rain snow sleet hail through all types of hate and who's coming with a brand new flag to wave i see it out there you're still welcome on the bandwagon but but let's be real when paul Heyman is saying things like that you just gotta silently appreciate because that's not for you that's for that's for those of us who've been there did you just see what happened on the end of smackdown i did and ah, uh, boy, oh boy, am I excited for this. Go ahead. Roman Reigns. Well, first, before we get to that, we got to get to... They announced a fatal four-way for the number one contender for Roman Reigns Universal Championship at Clash of Champions. Big E, Sheamus, Matt Riddle, Baron Corbin. Big E is taken out by Sheamus. Uh, uh, right after Roman Reigns' Paul Heyman's promo, I believe, like at the top of SmackDown. And he's replaced... By Jay Uso, um, and Jay Uso wins the match. Jay Uso is now the number one contender for Roman Reigns' Universal Championship. Let me tell you, big money for whoever had Jay Uso facing Roman Reigns at Clash of Champions. Um, though it is a great opportunity to build on the bad Roman Reigns, which is what I imagine the goal here is. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I can't imagine what he's going to do to his cousin. You don't You don't want to see... I mean... By the way, did Jey Uso get new teeth, too? <laughs> I don't know. Yo, don't are know. you watching? I am, but I, I mean, I'm not that deep in the... I feel like these dudes all had. Does it, doesn't teeth. his face look a little different? You don't see that? I do. I now think that he you got say new it. teeth too. Yo, on the splash, you could see his teeth in the middle of the sky. Yeah, on this promo, you can see it. I think he did, bro. I think there's a lot of new teeth going on. Those things are pearly white chompers. Yo, they are beautiful. Maybe I need a new set of teeth. It really makes you look completely different. Now, um, so yeah, my guess is Roman versus Baron Corbin would do nothing useful. Roman versus Sheamus would do nothing useful. You could say Roman versus Matt Riddle could be somewhat useful, but no one would believe that Riddle could win, although no one will believe it about Jey Uso either. But particularly... You know, we were discussing this in the group chat this week, and I think it was Andrew Goldstein made a good good point. Do you really see Matt Riddle as like a lovable good guy? <laughs> kind of. Like they want it. Here's the thing. This is super nuanced, but the idea is that Matt Riddle is like an RVD. But he's not RVD. Like, RVD is a weed head. 
Um, Matt Riddle's a bro. And yes, bros and Weedhead are, they're like in the same. There's overlap in the diagram. There's some overlap. But Riddle, but bros can be, bros can be a-holes. And that's not really what Weedheads are. Weedheads are way more chill than bros. True. So I just don't know that I see Riddle as the lovable good guy that I see RVD as at all. RVD was always lovable. Yo, was RVD ever a bad guy? Not in the, like, he didn't get booed. He definitely, like, was a heel, but, I'm, I mean, yeah, what, no. What, what, when was he a heel? He was, like, he played a bad guy. Like, he was John Cena's foil, right? So, like, he took the title off of John Cena, who was... They never acknowledged him as a heel, but it was just like one of those bizarro things where he was aligned with Heyman, <laughs> took the title off of John Cena. Heyman's still the bad guy, but RVD wouldn't get booed for anything. I don't think he was ever like a super heel, like an evil. He was just no, like and, said, at that, chill, and at that point, talented. John yeah, Cena he just was getting to be in the way. He was getting cheered. I mean, over Cena in a lot of settings at that point. Yeah, that was uh, that was sad too. Like. You know, him having to drop the title over, over, you know, being pulled over and all that because he never got back to that point. But my goodness, man, if you were there and if you remember what happened in those buildings when RVD showed up, it was insane. Was the title win at Hammerstein? Yeah. Were you there, SGG? I was not there. I went to a Raw um, like a couple of weeks after that, and I was just like, he he showed up and like the whole building popped. Yeah, and I went to I went to Hammerstein shows shortly thereafter, but I was not at that. Um, that was New Year's. No, that was two thousand six. It was two thousand six. Did he lose it to Edge? Yeah. Yep. Wait, Edge took it from Cena at New Year's Revolution, right? Yeah, and then Cena took it back way too quick because he was ready for the championship. He was like in the Mania match. And then when did RVD get it? RVD um, won the Money in the Bank. I believe he won the Money in the Bank when Money in the Bank was at Mania. And then he was just like, yeah, I'm cashing in at one night stand at one night stand which was like in june or something yep it was in june and then he beat him and then i might rewatch that later i, I, I rewatched a lot of that over. i rewatched a lot of that recently but i didn't watch the the rvd title win but Yo. that's a that's a long way of saying i know where they're going with riddle i don't think right now it would serve the purpose they want with roman so jay uso does provide that but here's the question what do you think's going on with big e getting taken out by sheamus so is that just to advance the story more with sheamus and and big e i think so i think because roman just got to the universal championship right and you know i think they're building big e to something special they can't they can't do that if they run him right into roman because he's not going to get past roman you know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. So I think that they have to 
this is a, they're, they're they're giving their writers a tall order of you know keeping Big E and Roman special and building them both up and keeping them apart until such time when they can get the most payoff out of bringing them together, which I think would be um, around WrestleMania time. So they got a while to go. Yeah, it's, it's plenty of time because that's the fantasy match I've heard a lot of people mention right now is Big E and Roman at Mania. Yeah. What do you think? Could that would, be a main event or co-main event? I think it could be a co-main event for sure, especially with like like Roman. Roman doesn't show up in April to not main event, first of all. Especially, and, and this is like, he's at the peak of his powers right now. So if Roman can ride this wave of momentum where we think it's going to go, him showing up to Mania is is, lock, is a lock for his fifth WrestleMania main event, um, for sure. And then, Big E also at that point, I mean, like the New Day, I don't, I don't think he's lost much by not having them around. I think that what they sought out to achieve in that, you know, they're super popular together, but then each one of their members could stand on their own and still sustain that energy. I think, I think Kofi proved that, that they could do it. So they're going to try to do it again with Big E. They're going to be successful if you ask me. And then, you put that force up against uh, Roman and Mania, I think they could carry the weight of a, of a main event, especially, too, because, you know, the media loves them. The WWE, has, in terms of, like, PR and sending them out to do appearances and, you know, be brand ambassadors, you don't lose on that front either. They can deliver a match. They both can wrestle anybody, any style, and give you a good match. Um, they're both believable as champions. And it doesn't matter who you sent to the Today Show the next day. Um, it's going to be great for the brand. So I think those two at a main event is it, it's just fine. It'll be perfect. Yo, was there no was there no uh, Today Show appearance this year? I don't think so. Wow. No no flight no overnight flight on the jet to the Today Show, huh? Yeah. Um, Big E versus The Fiend could be cool too. Yeah. A storyline, a storyline with The Fiend and The New Day, um, or just Big E could also be interesting. Um, because I was thinking, if if Roman's in one of the main events, who's the other main event? Is it is it Roman? Is it Bray or is it Randy? Probably Randy. I don't see Drew going mania to mania. It'd be cool if he did, but I, I damn, I just went right past Drew. <laughs> Which answers your question, right? And, and and proves my theory too a little bit. I don't see him going mania to mania. Um, mania to mania. Well is, with, that's rare. It is because who who's done it? Yo, I mean Hogan obviously has Savage. Um. Brett didn't do it. Sean did didn't Austin do it. ever do it? Um, I don't think so. By the way, you know it's a really good uh, a good watch for everyone out there. Um, 
I've been enjoying these timeline episodes, and um, the the Rock timeline's pretty great. Yeah, I want to watch that one. I, I watched the Brother versus Brother one. That was great. It really, it like, especially if you're someone like me who was spotty with wrestling around then, if checked in at all, like, they show all these little moments that you just wouldn't have seen. Like, yes, you know all the big matches, but you didn't see, I haven't seen all, like, the lead-up to a lot of things. So, like, right now in the timeline episode with Rock, you know, I'm getting from when he's in Nation, he's in Nation of Domination and feuding with an intercontinental champion, Stone Cold, predating their real rivalry. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's before he then, you know, has issues with Farouk. So it's it's really interesting. It's really interesting and cool to watch. Also, like, you know, I've seen it before, but being reminded of how hard Rocky Maivia was pushed at the beginning it wasn't that is, hard though i don't think i mean it's a it's a good series they they ran promos leading up to it i mean you got yeah. vignettes they everybody gets vignettes nah not everybody gets vignettes didn't fandango get vignettes he did and a lot of people who turned out to not be great have gotten vignettes i'm not yeah. saying listen hold on, hold on there's a difference between a lot of people have and everybody has but because, i mean come on. <laughs> okay that's true Everybody doesn't get vignettes, like every single person. But a, a decent amount of people get vignettes. And not everybody who gets vignettes is like, that's a sign of somebody that's about to be overpushed. No, that's true. I mean, Maurice had vignettes. Right. But but the build, his vignettes were different because the hype around it of him being the first third generation superstar. And I mean, listen, we know how the story went. I mean, he got pushed to the point that the crowd turned on him. The crowd turned on him immediately, though. Like, it was die, Rocky, die immediately. And that's the other thing, too. I feel like, you know, a little bit of revisionist history comes around when people talk about The Rock in that era and just being like, oh, yeah, you know, the crowd just wanted to see them do something different, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, the crowd wasn't on it like that. It was die, Rocky, die. They wanted him fired. That's the different thing they wanted him to do. They wanted him flipping burgers instead of you know doing arm drags and all that they how, want him out of the company how do you hold on how do you know that nobody what first of all this culture that we have right now of people like fantasy booking and everybody in the crowd it didn't exist everybody in the crowd being like oh he's over pushed and blah blah they didn't exist that was the era where like they reacted how the company was booking the talent for you to react and Rocky's reaction was so opposite that that it just sends a signal that they did not want to see him. The only way for them to lean into it, thankfully they didn't just let him go because it wasn't working. Because it wasn't working. Like the babyface thing was not working at all. And uh, so them turning him heel before releasing him, good on them. But, but I think if he gets released, people would have been like fine with it. They would have like, it would have been whatever. Maybe so, but I don't think that people booing a good guy means they want them inherently fired. I mean, you jumped right to they want him flipping burgers. I think they were just saying <laughs> we don't want this. This is not it. We're yeah, not. But, although, but, although he did get a pop at Survivor Series. He yeah, got that a was pop his, at his debut. That was his debut match. <laughs> they didn't know what they cheered for anything. You know, this was new. Of course, he was going to get cheered. He didn't do anything wrong. He came out smiling. He gave everybody the signals that like this is a guy that we're supposed to like, and then. 
it was but like that, but then, a month then later. Was, yeah, something like that. But it, but then I think I think just being smiley and athletic and having Jim Ross constantly say how he's this incredible blue chipper. Yeah, and they did do some like, cheesy things too, though. And people were like, I want more. This is not – I'm not just going to root for a good guy simply because he's good looking and you tell me he's great. And also timing-wise, it's not surprising that he would be at the beginning of, of the crowd acting that way because it's the beginning of wrestling being opened up like that. Yeah. It's around the time of the curtain call and it's around the time, you know, very close – uh, to the screw job. Yeah. So it's all around that time. But it's interesting. It is very interesting to watch the uh, the vignettes and the build up and then the turn. And then the second he turned, the first promo he cut with the Nation of Domination, um, you he, the rock was really born. By the way, wh- why did we ever think that right now it would be a good idea or fun to do a Nation 2? It would not work in 2020. You don't think so? Not in the time we live now. Who are they feuding with? Yeah, that's true. You gonna root for? You gonna have them up against some white nationalists? Now, <laughs> you, you and you and the thing is, if if you tie it somehow into Black Lives Matter or something like that, and then people boo, then you have people booing them. Yeah, that'll be the problem. There's no there's no direction for it to go. So I think that's part of why we end up having the Hurt Business, which feels like it could have been the new nation, but instead it's not tied directly to race. I just don't think there's a way to go with it now. It's yeah. it's like, you know, now they found a way to do it back then, but the truth is it didn't really make sense that they were heels then either. Yeah, and it like, just, if but, you listen to Farouk's promo too when he starts the nation, it was just like, this dude is right. <laughs> but the audience was completely like, you know what I mean? That wasn't the audience. The audience dictated them being healed. Well, yeah, number one, a lot of the audience was like, we don't want to hear this. And number two, it was still a different era. Like we said, it hadn't totally gotten realistic yet. So some some of it was ignoring what they were even saying and just being like, y'all are acting like bad guys, boo. Yep, angry black. We don't like this. Um, And, you, you know... So like it was easy it was easy to to still allow them to be heels without really tapping into why that's happening. I just don't think that's possible anymore. Um so SGG, um I got to say I watched AEW this week and I didn't love the go home for all out. No. Um I didn't. I I didn't like main eventing with Moxley against the lawyer. Uh, to me, that it was like reverse booking. I, I would not have had that to close the show. They, I know you end up having the MJF beatdown of Moxley to end the show, but still, like, why have a main event where you know the outcome a hundred percent? Like it was just to me, it was a little silly. Um, and so I didn't love, I didn't love the lawyer match. Um, and then there was another, oh, and then I really hated that the promo for the battle Royal, what do they call the battle Royal again? Was the casino battle Royal or something like that? Yeah. I I didn't like that. They, the way they previewed that was by having an impromptu battle Royal with almost everybody in it. Yeah. That is some WWE stuff that nobody likes when it happens over there either. 
Yeah, I just <laughs> felt like people would complain about it more if it was a WWE thing. Like, that was like a very old school, um, oh, Money in the Bank is coming up on Sunday with these eight guys, so then all eight guys get into a big fight. But this was even dumber because they got into an actual battle royal. Like, it, they went to commercial and came back, and it was still happening. Yeah, like, that's absurd. I understand, like, sometimes they would do that where they'd, oh, we're having a 10 Diva match at, at whatever pay-per-view, and on the Friday before, the Monday before, they all get into a big fight, and I think it's stupid. But this was even dumber because you're trying to tell me to tune into All Out so I can see this crazy battle royal, and now you're showing me almost the whole thing. So I, I did not I did not love that. Um, but I am, I am very, I'll be honest, I am... Somewhat curious about Moxley and MJF, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely interested in Jericho Cassidy. Do you think um, it's time to to take the title off of Moxley? <clears throat> well, the question is, how much value is there in making MJF your undefeated champion? Like, I think there's value there. You know, he's got Wardlow. He's got big muscle, a, a heater to watch his back. And he's an incredibly entertaining talent. And he's never been pinned. So is that more valuable, you know, than having... I, I listen, I always lean towards baby face chasing. Yeah, it's more interesting. Honestly, it's it ju- either that. And, it just is. And if the baby face is not chasing, then they need to have like monsters to face. Dastardly, a dastardly heel is not enough. Like a dastardly, I'm sorry. The baby face should chase the dastardly heel, and then when they get it, they should be dealing with monster after monster after monster. Yeah, that's it's that's old school wrestling talk. Um, that that's that's basic old school wrestling talk, but I I see it the same way. You know, that's how it worked for Hogan. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's really the standard. I mean, if you want to talk about the absolute standard for a babyface champion on top, that's it. And you just kept running out scary monster guys, and he found a way. But. To have, to have him holding off, yeah, him beating MJF, what does that really do? He's supposed to beat MJF. Yeah. John Moxie's a bad man. MJF is a coward in a, in a Burberry suit. Or as you <laughs> believe, fake Bur- Burberry suit. Yeah. All that being said, I heard he's a great guy. <laughs> he doesn't seem like it, but also he doesn't want to seem like it. He's living the life, you know what I mean? I got to respect it. No, MJ, he does a great job. Um, but that to me is really the card. I mean, I, I'm not dialed in on the women's title match at all. Yeah. Um, the women's division is still just, to me, the women's division is, and I know this could annoy some people who are more into hardcore wrestling. To me, Britt Baker is the women's division. Agreed. And it's a shame that she, you know, has been out. And 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 then, and that's another weird thing. Britt Baker has been getting TV time the entire length of her injury. She comes back and her matches on the pre-show with Big Swole? Yeah. Well, did you see that um 
Tony Khan was bullied into adding it to the main show. So no, is, on social media bullied? Yeah. <clears throat> so it is now not on the pre-show, not being given away for free. <sighs> my heart is with those... Uh, my heart is with the people who felt like putting it on you know, the pre-show was a disservice. You know, Tony Khan did try to defend himself <laughs> and just state that, you know, because it's cinematic that it might be a little bit weird since they have an audience to have the cinematic match. I can't believe I'm saying this. Wait, wait, he I, had to he had to he had to give away that it was a cinematic match? Yeah. He did. That's that stinks. I can't I didn't know that. Well, I'm sorry. No, it's okay, but I, it's annoying that it had to be revealed, no? Yeah, I mean and I like I said, it, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I agree with him. Like it, it, it sort of makes sense for the cinematic to go on I mean, I guess for me it doesn't matter because I'll be watching at home anyway. But like, if it's gonna be a cinematic, you don't need to do it with people in the audience because that always ends up being a little bit bit weird. But um, but also, it's now on the main show, so people who were excited about it being for free and then tuning in, you know, we we my heart is with those people who wanted it on the main show for for reasons that I think are valid, but. Well, what because it was a they wanted another women's match on the main card. Yeah. Why can't so they're gonna cry every single time? Well, Everything that, they do they with the women's like, division, they felt like this deserved to be on the main card because it had. So the I, so I, agree, I, blah, blah, blah. I, I agree, agree with all of that, but I agree too. I agree it should be on the main card. But number one, you cannot set the standard of being bullied by your fans every single time. Right. You cannot do that. Number two, get a life. Like yeah, complain about it, but really, this is you're not like the really going fight. and this complaining about it. It's not a battle. It's yo AEW is trying to do the. They're doing the right thing up and down. They're really doing the right things. Like, I, I mean, listen, fine. Are those same people saying that like that really? There's no interest in the women's title match at all. And and let's be honest, the women's division AEW is not very good. How no, about not. that? And it's I mean, not. They know it Everyone, because they have the NWA Women's Champion coming in to sort of bolster. Like, there's nobody else on the AW roster that could have been a contender for their champion's title. I mean, listen, the, the fact of the matter is people are going to cry and scream about every little thing because now the standard has been set. AW is a mark. And you can go <laughs> for them and complain to them about political correctness and they will cave to it. Whereas with WWE, for better or for worse, Vince isn't caving to that. Well, so it, it's going to be what it's going to be. Not that not that WWE won't cave to it, but it won't be so obvious. They won't be so open about it. Be like, oh, we've heard you, and now we've made this change immediately. Because I mean, they did pull Fabulous Moolah's name off that trophy in time. For that's different. That Adjusting diff- a card a week of. Yeah, exactly. I, it's no, like, I don't see it. And it, for something that's like, listen, it's I trivial. Agree. I just, it's trivial. It's a match. I agree it's the wrong move to have it on the on the pre-show. At the same time, they would make the argument, I'm guessing, the match just got thrown together. The story's been building, but the match kind of came up on this last week. So that was how I justified it, is I was like, oh, this is like a, a little bonus because now they're really going to start getting into Britt Baker being back, and this will be the beginning of a story. With uh, like The Her and Swole story exists as a, as a feud, but their wrestling story will begin. Um 
So I, I understand the sentiment of being like, oh, that's weird. Why isn't on the main show? But I just I just don't understand bullying well, them as if they're trying to do it for the wrong uh, political reasons. I don't think that's honestly fair. though this this is one of those instances where like this is a self inflicted wound if you ask me on the part of AEW because you know one of the things I don't like that they do as a company is they ex- they come back after they do something they come out and explain every little thing. This is why we did this. Like the curtain is just yanked to the side. There's no curtain between the fans and backstage and what's happening and the business in and outs. It's just like, you know, you could call it transparency, but yeah, but it's fans wrestling. Don't you can't have complete transparency. Yeah, the fans don't need that. They don't need you coming out explaining every little thing. And it's top to bottom. It's Cody. It's Brandy. It's the Young Bucks. It's Tony Khan. It's Kenny Omega. And now this time. You have to adjust your card because of it. Because you just can't help but go online and explain everything. So, Yeah, like they could have just on Saturday been like, guess what? This just in. It's now on the main show. And instead, we have this on the kickoff show. Whatever. Um, either way. Or just uh, left it, it how it, it is. Or just left it Fine. how it is. Fine. People, I mean, people would not be that mad. I promise you. But now it. that, but I'm telling you this: now that they've done this a couple of times, they are going to second guess everything they do around the women's division. Yeah. Not to mention, there was a moment during the match that was so during the women's match that was from this week that was so awkward, where Jr. was just trying to put over the match. Did you hear it? No, I did it. I saw a little bit of it though. Shout out to Serena Deeb for popping up on TV again. Yeah, I love Serena Deeb. And he was just like, this is one of the best women's matches. Oh, wait, I, I, maybe I, I I shouldn't say. And then Tony was like, no, no. I, I And I was like, oh, my God, you can say it's one of the best women's matches this year. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But he, he, now, got, but he overthought is, it. He didn't but want they're his... overthinking it because they don't. <laughs> it's not okay now. Now if they even say it's one of the best women's matches, they go, really? One of the best women's matches? It's not and one of the best go, matches in general? Right. And you're like, no, I meant one of the best women's matches. <laughs> It's two separate divisions. Yeah, same one of the thing best, with the tag one, team. Right, it's he a tag would, division. He would not have thought it's, about it. <laughs> it a tag the women team don't wrestle the men. It's a separate division. I mean, listen, guys. I, I spend my whole life fighting the good fight against bigots and, and, and bad people. Like, I literally am. I don't just talk about it on Twitter. I argue with those people in real, like, in phone calls on the radio all the time. Have Morning to and pers- afternoon. Everywhere. Constantly. What I don't do is fight unnecessary fights where you're punishing people who aren't even bad. It's one thing to push them to be good, but I sometimes I just feel like they're sitting there waiting, so now they have to second-guess everything. When from the very beginning, they've decided they wanted to run the company a certain way. Um, listen, push them for better. That's cool. But bullying them, and now they're just going to be shook out of their gourd. Yeah, you know I don't mind bullying AEW, but this was dumb. Yeah, it's just dumb. Save save it for when it matters. Do you um, do you have uh, black power rankings? Of course. I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blacker than black, blacker than black, black. I'm blacker than black, yo, because I'm black and I'm black. All right. So, before I get into the official rankings, I would like to give an honorable mention. First of all, to retribution. Hey, I'll they be wear black. I have no idea who's under those masks, but they're dressed in all black. It's black. 
therein. They, it counts. I consulted the rule book. My ruling is that they qualify. Retribution is in. I mean, let's be honest. They're, wow. the most, they're among the most talked about things happening in pro wrestling. Although still, into, still, still concerns about what's actually happening there. Still concerns um, about what's actually happening. But we know now that and did, and, 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 Raw, and did so they, SmackDown is safe. Did they wait? You, yeah, so they just they're exclusive to Raw now. Exclusive to Raw, so SmackDown is safe. This week, as of this week, how do we know? It was reported on like a lot of the news and rumor sites that Retribution would only be on Raw. They did show up on Raw. They did not show up on SmackDown. So I think just that little piece of well, it's nice that they're a rebellious group, but they still know there's only one night that they're invited to be. You know. Yo, rebelling is hard. You can't, you can't, no, you can't start start your week and end your week rebelling. And uh, you a, know, at some point, it gets tiring. And you know, you know what? It's a fair point. It's yeah. a salient point, and I respect it. You want to be rebelling into the weekend. Um, another honorable mention is going to go to Titus O'Neil. He's he's oh, yeah. been he's been gone for a while. He's been doing a lot of of positive things outside the ring, but he came back with a vengeance. Popped up on Raw Underground. You know, the less said about what happened to him in Raw Underground, the better. But we're happy to have him back. Titus O'Neil gets an woo, 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 woo. What up, <laughs> in, in at number three, Sasha Banks, who had a, a rough... Oh my gosh, we didn't even mention... We didn't even I mention know, we can this. get to it now, though. She had a rough week. Let's be, you know, rough couple of weeks. She lost her women's championship. Her and Bailey at Payback, they lost their tag team titles to Shayna Baszler and... Uh, Nia Jax, Shayna used Sasha's arm to choke Bailey and made Bailey tap. They had their rematch tonight on SmackDown. Oh yeah, that was excellent finish. They had their rematch on SmackDown, and then she lost her best friend. Um, Bailey attacked her after the match, after they unsuccessfully tried to get the titles back. She she attacked her viciously, much like she did a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, listen, fool me once. Uh, as George W. Bush once said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You ain't going to fool me a second time. <laughs> um, but that happened. And, you know, here's my one concern. Obviously, this happened too soon. We yeah. were talking about this playing out all the way till Mania, though maybe it still could. But that would be a long way. It's the beginning of September. So... Unless they get away from it and then go back to it with like Sasha winning the Rumble. My one concern here, SGG, is that it, it was hard to decide who to go with face or heel here. And Bailey makes more sense because I believe she's been the more effective heel. I think she's been more obnoxious and just like really the out and out bad guy. But. I don't know, man. This is where this is going to be an important moment for Sasha. Sasha has to really step up as a babyface. Yeah. Because this is when you are this character against a vicious heel who turned on you this way, you are supposed to be rooted for, you are supposed to be loved, and it requires you cutting great promos and it requires your your everything that you do feeling a certain way and Sasha's not a natural baby face anymore post yeah. NXT she's not I mean she wasn't she's, a natural baby face in NXT no she never was it did it did always feel forced and but like you said I mean she has to garner that sympathy I'm hoping that this beat down 
did that, but she can't pop up on TV too soon. That's the other thing. Like, she has to be out for a while to stretch this out to where it needs to go to be meaningful. She can't just be back. Like that. That's a great point. She should def. I really hope they don't have a match at Clash of Champions. Yeah. Um. This. 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 That's a great point. She needs to be gone for a while. She needs to come back with her old song, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. They need to do little things to her look, um, and her entrance, everything, and then she needs to kill it with the promos. You know, Sasha is a really incredible in-ring talent. You you know I've always loved, like, when she's rocking, her, the package is put together so well. Yeah. But she needs to seal the deal here with, like, really high-level babyface work. So I, I, I'm challenging her, and I hope we get it because Sasha and Bailey. For them to be as great as SGG has projected them to be, as they have this, been. this needs to be that though. I'm sorry, SGG. You can't tell me people are all time greats when they're best friends. They've been, they've had a character built storyline for years, and then when they have this moment, it goes flat. Listen, they can't fall flat here. They can't. Listen, two things, right? Sasha and Bailey's place with me has been solidified since NXT Brooklyn. Now, that's a separate conversation. In terms of this storyline, yes, they do need to stick the landing. I can't see the future. My crystal ball has never worked, so I don't know what's going to happen when they get to the end. If they're going to put that emphatic exclamation point on it, that's going to get them a WWE timeline for this in however many years, or if it's just going to be like, you know... But I mean, while they while they're in the air, it's looking great right now. But you're right; they do have to stick the landing for the, for me to fully commit and give it to them, and be like, you know, I told you so. They're doing the best work, and this is what it is. It has to end the right way. But I mean, they're on their way. Um, they got to stick the landing. All right, sorry, that's number three, Sasha Banks. That is number three. In the number two, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, he was a part of a six man tag team match on NXT. He teamed with the current NXT tag team champions Brizongo to face uh, Legado del Fantasma. Um, the NXT show this past week was was sort of built around the 60-minute Iron Man four-way match for the NXT championship, but this was a great opener. Um, all six men did exceptionally well, in, including Swerve Scott. And so you know, I can't let that go unnoticed. He's coming in at number two. And then in at number one, of course, who else could it be? Um, it's, it's Keith Lee. Who cares yeah, about Big, the ring? Big e, didn't even, Big e didn't even make it after his Talking Smack promo last week and his performance at the pay-per-view. Oof, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wanted to. I wanted you gave to. it to Sasha Banks. You gave it to Sasha Banks, who got nothing but her ass kicked all week long. <laughs> <laughs> Big E cut a promo. On Talking Smack, that was fire, and then he goes out and beats Sheamus at the pay-per-view, Two. and Sasha Banks got ragdolled all week. Damn. Listen, Sasha Banks knows the way to my pro wrestling heart. Like, Bret Hart was my guy, too, and what is most of his career is getting beat down and pulling out the wind when it matters <laughs> most. So I think it's I think it's just something to do with uh, my childhood. Who knows? But in the number one is Keith Lee. Apologies to Big E, but Keith Lee 
had a just had a great week. He beat Randy Orton. He's not going on the Clash of Champions uh, to face Drew McIntyre, but he really proved that that you know he is he is the man that everybody says he is. Um, and I'm excited to see where it goes next because a win over Randy Orton in your first one on one pay per view match that's that's as big as it can get out of the gate. Absolutely. Well, well, well deserved. All right, before we get up out of here, I'm not going to get to a full mailbag here. We'll do one next week. But I'll read this one from Caleb because I got a few messages like this. Mail. Dear Peckerheads, long time, first time. I've been listening to the wrestling podcast, um, two wrestling podcasts since Royal Rumble 2016. I'm very proud to say Cheap Heat was one of the first I subscribed to on that day. I've never emailed a podcast I've listened to before, but this week's episode had me dying. I currently work am working on my master's and have slowed the podcast intake as this semester begins and just got to last week's episode on my drive to work today, uh, which I got this came yesterday, I think. Realizing we were watching the Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman connection take place right before your very eyes was the best moment in the podcast history, only to be topped by Greg yelling, <laughs> oh, no, in what should immediately become a soundbite on the show from henceforth. And yes, it will. Love the show and keep up the amazing work. Love you guys. Caleb from Ohio. Thank you, Caleb. And yeah, got a handful of messages from people who just really popped for last week's episode. If for some reason you're listening this week and you didn't listen last week, then I hope you will make time and, and just... I Honestly, I re-listened to last week, which I never do, um, to relive it because it was such a fun moment. Um seeing that heel turn as we figured it out and hearing Dipperstein going, is that what's happening? Is this what's <laughs> yeah. happening? It's the um, craziest thing about it is that we wrote it off like two minutes before that. We just yeah. Like, Five oh, minutes well. before it happened. We said that's never going to happen. Um, SGG, do me a favor. Uh, take it easy. Um, I'm going to take it easy this week. I'm actually going on a little vacation. and I'm going to be with Dipperstein on vacation. And our friend so of the th- show, Brian Mann, right? That's right. So next week there will be a um a cheap heat um from vacation with the Depperstein. Um Oh yeah. That's right. But uh SGG, uh take it easy and enjoy yourself. Thank you, P. You, you take it easy as well. Stay mage. Oh, thanks. It's professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. At this time, I would like to introduce in the corner to my left, the majesty. Sweet, sweet Peter Rosenberg. And then I went to makeup and like sat in front of the mirror a little bit and got myself together. Also, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce... Red Heart is the greatest professional wrestler in the history of the art form. Mage.